in 2001, you and I lived in in uh, Brooklyn Heights, and you were out of town. And um, Brooklyn Heights and our apartment happened to be positioned right across from Lower Manhattan, and we had a, a great view of the World Trade Center from from our roof. So my neighbors were pounding on my door, and and you know, we all ran up to the roof because we thought there'd been a horrible accident, and uh, we were standing up there. And, and then suddenly we saw the second plane hit, and it became immediately clear that this it was not an accident. And you know, there's panic, and everyone got in a, somebody's car, and then there was immediate gridlock. And you know, the 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 days and the weeks after that were um, were full of so much anguish and fear and also such intense um, vulnerability and and outreach in on every level and you know there's just nothing like a cataclysm to break down barriers and to break down what we see as uh, the things that the things that divide us and uh, it was just you know it was just a really potent time and um, it took a while for you to come back I'm Jeff Krasno, and welcome to Commune, where every week we explore the ideas, values, and practices that bring us together and help us live healthy and purpose-filled lives. Today on the show, we explore the different facets of community through a tiny little yoga studio that emerged from the ashes of Ground Zero in Lower Manhattan in early 2002. Now, that was Skylar Grant, the founder of Kula Yoga, at the top of the show. Now, disclaimer, Skylar is my wife. I've been with her for 30 years. She's been with me for 29, and on this episode, I finally get to find out what motivated her to open Kula, and we hear the stories of people whose lives have been forever changed by the dynamic community that the little studio inspired. Now, by using Kula as an example, I'm very interested in getting at how you successfully foster community and what are the conditions necessary for it to thrive. What are the effects of belonging and connection on the individuals that make up a community? How does it steal us in times of grief and provide for us in times of need? So here's my conversation with Skylar. Kinda, How long was that till you got back? Um, I flew back the first day you could fly back, um, which was lucky just because that's when my plane was scheduled for. Yeah, I just remember flying over the site or around the site. Um, you couldn't fly over it, but you could see it from a great distance. I always felt bad that I wasn't there. I felt like guilty that yeah. I wasn't there. Like but, it was almost like a betrayal to a person, the be- like that you weren't there for uh, someone that you loved, and it was the, the thing you loved was your city. Yeah, and for you. Yeah. felt bad about that. Um, but I came back... And so my office was in the financial district right there, about three blocks north of the World Trade Center, Ground Zero, on Warren Street. And that was in that like little radius where 
you couldn't kind of get in. They let you in for like a day eventually to kind of get your things. But, um, but that was, you know, cordoned off by police and armored vehicles. Um, and eventually we, we did get back into our office and that building, a funky little building on Warren street was, you know, filled with ash. Yeah. Ash. But yeah, artists, studios and photography studios that sort of, you know, everyone sort of pieced out and went to Woodstock or into Brooklyn or somewhere. So there was a lot of empty space. And, um, and then you took one of the spaces. I did. It was a, that was a crazy move. But I, I think one of the things that happens in crisis is big changes occur. And you, one takes leaps into unknown territory just because um, you, your, your daily life and your daily perspective has been so upended that you, you, you do things that, um, that you might not normally be, be willing to contemplate. So uh, kula is a Sanskrit word, which means intentional community, which pretty succinctly says what we were after when we got started. And, and 15 years in, I would say, still embodies what we're about. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of reasons that, that people start yoga studios, all of them different and totally legitimate. It's a business and for some people, it's primarily a business. But for us, we really were, we were a, a community enterprise. And, you know, we're in New York City, so we have to run it like a business. But, but first and foremost, we're trying to be a community space. And we're, we're trying to hold a container for people to come together and commune and um, go through good times and bad times and to, um, and, and to be the ballast in a, in a really wild and rocky city, which, which begs for places for, for people to come together in, in community. Um, you know, the, the yoga practice, it's called a practice because it's, it's something that you go to again and again every day or every week, ideally over a lifetime. And as your, as your life changes and as your needs shift, the practice shifts with you. And you can pursue this, of course, at home. And it's, and it's imperative that you have a relationship with a practice that, that is personal and, and might be at your home. But it's also really powerful to have a, a practice, whether it's spiritual or physical, that you do with other people and that, is, um, and that has a, a continuity over many years. And, and that's what, what we've been able to do, which has been deeply satisfying to me personally. You know, you talked a little bit about 9-11 and uh, sort of the collective grief um, that people experienced in the deep sense of connection that, you know, collective grief can create. And I'm curious to hear, like, how you think Kula kind of helped people in their healing process kind of during that time in New York in, in late 2001, early 2002. It's pretty clear to me that when we go through 
profound um, collective experiences, whether it's it's of grief or joy or elation, um, that we as a culture bypass our intellectual selves, our our prefrontal cortex, as it were, and we go into a deeper part of ourselves. We are a social animal, and we're seeking to live in in that way, in community, in in a way that we as an animal very clearly thrive. And I think that when we when we go through an experience like that, you come out of it changed, you, and you you come out of it having an experience of how important community is and not just your most intimate tribe, but also the larger tribe and how that gives you a sense of your own humanity and your, your, that the, that the, that the universe makes more sense than it did before. Connection makes us feel like the, the world makes sense, especially when the world feels senseless to connect to something that feels um, true is, is, is deeply heartening and satisfying, but that that needs a it needs a place, and people do find it online. But that's very fragile. And when you find that place in a, it, that has touch and voice and an actual human interaction, and then there's continuity to that. It's not just coming together at a at a rally, which is really powerful, but then doesn't have continuity. When you can go back and you have the um, you have a trust that this that a place will be there for you and a community of people will be there for you, you can relax into it and you can um, you can let go a little and you can and there's a knowing that uh, that you that you have a tribe or that you're investing in a tribe that will that will be an extended family. And you know, in New York is it's notoriously full of urban orphans and 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 people in New York are also <laughs> very individualistic and and strong and willful and independent, but uh, at the same time they're they're deeply seeking continuity of connection. Um so I would say that, you know, it's not you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and now it all makes sense 15 years later that we created a place where people would come and they would heal and they would make their way through, make sense of the senseless. And, and, but we, we weren't thinking that it was also going to be a place where people would meet their future spouse or where they would find solace when they lost a child or they got divorced or where they would quit their job and do their teacher training and find a whole new life or they would teach yoga for seven years and then decide they hated teaching yoga but then they would become a student again and they'd find a whole new life you know teaching going back to law school anyway I mean you know it, it is really it's amazing what um, what you see just by putting the time in Nikki and Alexia just contacting me and, and saying like we're going to start a GoFundMe for you a campaign to raise some money so that it will help support you in your time off and to help pay your medical bills and I was just so blown away I felt guilty even because again nobody has ever I've never had that experience 
of, of being taken care of by such a large group of people. Julia Plon graduated from the Boston Conservatory with a BFA in dance. After college, she moved to New York and started teaching yoga at Kula, and she was building her career and her student base until life threw her an unexpected curveball. Um, last January, I was skiing and I hit a patch of ice, and it was like one of those crazy accidents where I just lost control and blew off of the embankment and hit a tree. Um, and I ended up breaking like eight bones on my right side, oh, so, which included my arm, my collarbone, and a couple of ribs. Um, and I just remember I was in the hospital for 11 days, and my uh, my partner, his name is Ariel. He's also a teacher, a longtime teacher at Kula. And he just made a quick phone call and basically just said what had happened and that I was in the hospital. And instantly, it's like the community just jumped into action. Like, all my classes were covered. There was not a problem. Nobody was was hesitant. Um, I started getting all of these messages and all this warmth and kindness and people offering to help and to visit and to bring things, um, which I've never really had before especially in a spot like New York. If you're living here, it's, it's like sometimes you can kind of get lost in the number of people that are here. And maybe you have a couple of good friends, but never I've never experienced such a volume of, of people that were wanting to help and felt, you know, felt for me. It's like there's so much compassion. Um, yeah, and, and as I was recovering, I couldn't work for three months, and I was really nervous because as a yoga teacher too I'm a freelancer and it was cool like I come in I teach my classes you get my paycheck every two weeks you know and that's about it it's not like if I was working for a corporation or um you know in in a different profession where I might get like some time off and then some paid leave so I was really worried number one that I'd be able to come back to Kula and resume my schedule but also number two that I would have enough to sustain me and the medical bills that I was about to receive, which totaled, I don't even know, over 16 grand or more. Um, And I was just really, really distraught about that. And, and then I just watched on online on the GoFundMe. It's like I had students on there, maybe people I had seen in class one or two times that had donated. And then all of the teachers here, um, you know, I just remember getting a donation from them and um, one of my good friends, Sasha, who also teaches here, had put together a box that people had thrown food in and little cards and tiny little presents and um, things to pick up my mood. She had put it together for me and brought it over. Just, it was amazing. You know, I mean, I've never been treated like that before. Wow, that is incredible. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you don't really, I think, hear about those kind of stories anymore. It's 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 so easy, I think, for people now just to kind of like like something or share something, yeah. you know, on, on Facebook totally. or on Twitter or something to kind of feel connected and, and, and then just move on. Um, yeah. But to yeah. actually... Um, really give of themselves and 
you know, it's such an like amazing story, and I and then I also just kind of ask like, why? What are the ingredients that makes yeah. a community want to give like that? Well, well, I think I mean, especially in the way that Kula operates, everybody here is like a melting pot. We all learn from each other. We take each other's classes. We see each other's energy. We hang out with each other outside the studio because there's there's that vibe. You know, it's it's like nobody is selfish or in it for themselves. We're here because we're creating a better place to be together. Yeah. That's what makes it so wonderful. When you need sustenance and support from your community, you're actually giving as well. You're giving your need. A community really only grows roots because we're interconnected and we need each other. And if it's all happy, good times, transformation, well, my head's popping off because I'm doing this amazing spiritual practice and I feel so good. That's, that's, that's great, but it's, that's the surface part of it to a certain extent. And the deep part is when it's, when it's really hard and painful and it's, it's hard to get back to your mat and go back to your community because your world's been rocked or shattered. And then, you know, you go and you, you are, you are held. How does a community function and rally for people who are going through the hardest times of their life? Marla Mays has been a student at Kula from the very, very beginning and a longtime denizen of the Tribeca area. She's an artist, a writer, a performer, and a producer. And over the last 16 years, there have been a number of times where she's needed to deeply lean into her yoga practice and her community. Never was this more true than last summer when Marla lost her daughter, Lyell, who took her own life. I have gone through a lot of struggles with my daughter over the years. She was um, struggled with uh, eating disorder, anorexia, and depression. And so at one point, even before I fell apart, you know, I used to bring her when she was 10, you know, when I first started going, because she was, you know, starting to you know, just obsessed on the body stuff, and I just thought that yoga was a better place to be than, you know, other stuff. And so she, she used to come with me there when she was 10 years old, and I'd come. she would take classes with me and, and sometimes bring her friends. Um, that was initially. And then, you know, when then when her stuff really started, you know, it really, she went again, and it really helped her. She was in a lot of treatment centers, and she brought the yoga with her, like, because she had such a good experience at Kula, she would bring it with her to like treatment centers and like she was like the yogi, the girl who did yoga and she kept that. And there were things like she, she had worked privately with one of the Kula teachers to help her with nutrition, um, Oshana for a while. And so there was a lot of stuff to do with her that, you know, over the years. And then because of the struggles with her over, you know, over the years, you know, I kind of fell apart at some point. I really did actually. And I struggled with my own, you know, panic um, and struggle, and then I kind of had a nervous breakdown, <laughs> and then I went to Kula every single day for like a year, at least, you know, maybe more, and that place was like the grounding place, like no matter how I felt, it didn't matter how down I felt, 
how anxious I went there, and it, it really, it, it 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 saved me. It literally like saved my. Um, it saved me. I don't even know what else to say. I remember being there, like, where I just couldn't even feel like I couldn't even move. And then, you know, seeing whatever, whoever, whatever the teacher was that was working, not, you know, they were all so great. And I felt really, you know, whether it was, you know, Allison or Arana or um, Aaron. And I just remember, like, having conversation. Gen G, I mean, God, like, going every day and just seeing those faces. But they knew. And it just, it just really, I don't know, it just, it, I felt... You know, I just felt like it saved me. My daughter um, committed suicide this summer, July, and she had been, she had moved back here. After that happened, the community, you know, I realized, you know, I started going back, and again, I'm going there every day because to deal with the grief. And it's the one place where I can go where I really feel like I can feel the grief and move it through my body and feel safe with it um, and and cry on the mat because sometimes, you know, God forbid, you no know one should know. It's like you, you put up a face for the outside world or you just do it automatically. It's not like you're trying to. Uh, I'm trying to. But on the mat, I feel safe to let it go. best when people make commitments and are willing to do hard work, but also find their, their place in a paradigm that, that's, that they're well-suited for and that inspires them and continues their growth and fulfills their, their, their true nature. It's been such a privilege for me to be able to help build and sustain this thing called Kula, this intentional community. And practically, there are, there are things that, that just, just make it work. I would say number one is that your intention is very, very clear and that the, that the individual is always there to serve the group. That being said, you need to have healthy hierarchy. The people who are making the decisions need to be doing it for the right reasons, but there also has to be a, a, a real chain of command. So that for me, even if I was the boss, I had to be able to let people do their job and to trust them to do it every day, every year. And, you know, at the same time, you you have to know that there's that there's a timing piece. You have to be in alignment with the with what's going on in your culture and your city at that time and coolest timing was very good. We, we came up when, when the wellness world was just really starting to pop and we got to flower with a larger movement. And then, you know, you just have to be practical. You can't overreach. We, we never were anything that, that um, we couldn't sustain. We made a really simple, beautiful place, but it was never too expensive to maintain. And, 
people could feel that. And then finally, you know, you just have to, you have to be willing to put the hard work in and you have to align yourself with other people who are so excited to give themselves up with you and to work hard and to show up every day. And that's, of course, your teachers. And it's also the incredible desk staff and the managers who come to work, not just because they're getting a paycheck, but but because they're so excited to see the same people come through the door day after day and year after year and to sit on the couch with them after they've sweated out for 90 minutes and hear about their babies and hear about their divorces and hear about their triumphs and their losses in a big sweaty puddle out in the lobby. And, you know, ultimately it comes back to it comes back to what we were talking about, which is is time put in. It's continuity. It's opening up your doors every day, year after year, and then finally into, you know, decade after decade so that people have a sense of of trust that they can really come in and, and let their hair down and, you know, take their clothes off and get, you know, lie on the floor in corpse pose with a room of friends and strangers and really let it all hang out. And I will say, as a teacher, that is the magic moment. After you teach class and everybody's, you know, worked and they and they've, they've put their time in and you sit at the end of the class and you see a room of 20 to 50 virtual strangers lying on the floor <laughs> together, you know, sometimes touching each other, even if they don't know each other. And it's, it's just magic. for listening and please subscribe on apple podcasts or wherever you get your favorite shows for now i've got to get back to work cleaning out the chicken coop i'm actually not kidding see you next week